ladies and gentlemen, in the blue corner, standing at a sleek, 5 foot 11, 245 pounds, the tumultuous tempest of technique, Thomas Lilly. And in the red corner, at a curvaceous, 5 foot 11, 315 pounds, the jovial juggernaut of judgment, John Cheryl Sheridan. A meeting of the masters of mastication. Turn your attention as they delve deep into all things lifting and more. This is Peak Speak. And we're back with exciting news. Yes, we are now professional. We have a sponsor for the show, which is awesome for us, but even more awesome for you. Indeed, because who doesn't love a sweet, sweet online shopping discount code? And in this case, it's an online shopping discount code that gets you delicious coffee delivered to your doorstep. From our good friends, Prism Coffee, who are four Canberra lads who I've known for a while. Uh, who've all worked in and around the specialty coffee industry for some time now and now uh, out on their own they've got a roaster they're roasting beans uh, and just generally kicking ass with delicious coffee so john how do the people get this amazing discount you speak of go to their website which is prismcoffee.com.au pick from the couple of different blends and some single origins that they've got. You can get it ground, you can get it in whole beans if you prefer to grind your own. They've got all of the options. Uh, and then you use the code PEAKSPEAKCOFFEE in the discount bit of the shopping cart and uh, you'll get a sneaky 10% off and it'll rock up on your doorstep in some amount of time. I don't remember exactly what it is, but I think they express post everything, so hopefully quickly. Perfect. Amazing. Well, and that's it. Without further ado, here's the episode. Yeah. Presented Enjoy. by Thomas Lilly and John Sheridan, Baby Cry in the Background, not included. Zoom is live. Audacity is audaciting. Excellent. I'm going to have to take a photo of you on my new <laughs> screen because your head is the same physical size as my head in actual reality at the moment based on how big this screen is. It's great. It's a, it's a big head. It's like we're face to face. Yeah, it, it really is. Like it's <laughs> it's genuinely like you're sitting too like uncomfortably close to me. Yeah. It's good. I'm how super, are you, my friend? I'm super proud of myself. I've had three days where the coffees have been good in a row. Oh, like three, oh shit. Three days of consistency. That's amazing. Getting better at it. Yeah. What have you changed? What are you doing differently? Um, I think I've just gotten better at seeing how much the right amount of coffee in the basket is. Yeah. But but also trusting my gut. Like in the past, I've been like, oh, I think that's not enough. Oh, I'll yeah, test yeah. it anyway. Yeah. It's not enough. Or I think that's too much and it doesn't work. Just get a set of scales. Yeah, I know. Just because yeah. even if you only do it for like four coffees, a set of scales will then just allow you to be able to eyeball it in a much more consistent way. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's just like when you weigh your chicken every day, then you yeah. say, yeah, this much chicken is yeah, 250 exactly. grams. Yeah, exactly. For sure. Yeah, excellent. What uh, kind of coffee are you using when you're making this coffee? Oh, well, I'm glad you asked, Thomas. I am using coffee from our good friends, friends of the show, Prism Coffee Company. Some Canberra lads who got into roasting coffee because they like coffee and they like good coffee. And uh, coincidental because I also am using uh, Prism Coffee Co. Wow. I don't know how that happens. It's delicious and it's fruity and it's amazing. Maybe you just go online to their website, which is 
prismcoffee.com.au, I think. We should really clarify that before we do these spills. Well, you uh, should, because that was your blunder. <laughs> yes, that's true. Uh, if and, you Google Prism Coffee Co., you'll find it, and then yes. you'll enter in Peak Speak Coffee, and you'll get a sick discount. Exactly, and support people who are supporting <laughs> our show. Absolutely. All right, I want to hear more about the spot check. Yes, so uh, I was just saying off-air, which makes us sound so professional. Uh, kings that we had our first covid safety spot check uh what day is it thursday today i think we had it last week we've been like wednesday or thursday last week they came in at two o'clock in the afternoon uh and you know two people from access canberra the act government came in and we're like oh we're just doing some checking and like you know not that we're breaking rules but yeah, that idea of like when you drive up next to a cop, suddenly you're like just a little bit more anxious because you're like, oh shit, maybe I am making a mistake. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a bit like that. Mm. And they just asked some questions. The The way they asked their questions and, and the stuff they talked about made me think that they are more checking that we are aware of the rules than mm-hmm. they are that we're following the rules. Um, so they asked about like how many people can we have in? Is the gym unstaffed at any point, which is still... Uh, not allowed. We were actually supposed to have our restriction eased Friday. Yep. But uh, Victoria fucked it up for us, and we've got like three or four new cases in the ACT, which is the first time we've had new cases in over a month, I think. Mm. Uh, and so that's not going to happen. Um, but yeah, they asked about numbers and like square meterage in terms of how many people were allowed indoors, asked about our cleaning policies and ideas and stuff like that, how we were going with numbers, where we have any issues with members like mingling around and hanging out too much or anything like that. They checked my COVID safety plan existed. They didn't really look at it. Um, but yeah, overall it was pretty cruisy. I I was perhaps worried about nothing, but um, it's nice to know that they're actually checking. Uh, it's nice to know that people are staying on top of it because I think, you know, ultimately it's all of our responsibilities to be a part of this process. Definitely. But I think, you know, gyms like ours are at a supreme advantage when it comes to something like this because I think, you know, any small community gym probably has a group of people that would score above average on a conscientiousness scale Mm. to the wider community, which just means we're less likely to have an issue. I mean, I'd fucking hate to run a massive 24-hour commercial gym at the moment because it'd be hell. There'd just be so much shit Mm. that would just be so hard to police that um, and, and to stay on top of that I just think it would make life a lot more unpleasant. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, interesting. I haven't had um I haven't had spot checks at either of uh either of our gyms, my gyms. Um and I know a couple of local people who have had spot checks. Yeah. But yeah, as as yet I haven't and I feel like it probably isn't likely to happen while we're in uh the eased restriction like we've got the eased restrictions that you guys were supposed to get. Yeah. Um and I feel like it's going to get a little bit more relaxed. Yeah, that'll be good. I'm looking forward to just not having to be at the gym all the time. Because, mm. uh, yeah, we've, like, extended our opening hours right up uh, because normally we'd have 24-hour people here training sort of during the day and stuff like that. But uh, we're just not allowed to, which yeah. sucks. Mm. But, yeah, you know, that's life. We're all moving forward, so yeah, it's well, okay. Hopefully this uh, this six-week lockdown that Melbourne's doing is, is effective. 
um, at least for all the Melbourne people listening who are depressed now because it's locked down again, at least there's a there's a light at the end of the tunnel in the sense that you have an end date. It's not sitting yeah. and waiting and wondering like it was the first time around. Yeah, um, definitely. At least you know you can make it through this. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm, interesting times. There's always something to be said for an end date or a, like, you know, uh, some some level of certainty over something like that because it's definitely the uncertainty around like when will it end what's going to happen that makes it so hard to deal with I imagine for most people mm. I'm, I'm still so stunned by like the dichotomy of personalities around this thing in terms of like naysayers and doubters and mm. disbelievers and the whole whole thing um especially as the numbers continue to rise like a lot of people have shared I don't know if you've watched that little uh, kind of infographic gif sort of thing of like the COVID deaths overtaking all the major deaths yeah um <laughs> it's it's yeah it's pretty full-on mm. uh anyway i'm not uh up for a conversation debating the reality of it all oh, yeah let's not get into conspiracy theories because there are way more enjoyable conspiracy theories to talk <laughs> about than fucking coronavirus such as Oh, like we could just do a Joe Rogan and spend four hours talking about aliens and Area 51. But um, Keen. I, yeah, I, I think it'd be great. Uh, yeah. Perhaps not what our audience is looking for. But hey, if that's what you want from Peak Speak, we're a, we're a show for the people. Tell us. Contact us. Tell us you want to hear us talk about ridiculous conspiracy theories. Yeah, Perhaps suggest some conspiracy theories. We will happily debunk all of them. Tell us whether you would vote for Kanye. I would totally vote for Kanye <laughs> just for the sake of being able to say, Hey, I voted for Kanye. <laughs> oh dear. Anyway. Anyway. We so, should talk about something productive. Yeah. Powerlifting sort of stuff, lifting sort of stuff. Last week we spoke about motor control and during that conversation, um, the notion of the maybe differences that we have in our approach to selecting assistance or accessory exercises in that, that whole breakdown in the chain of accessory exercises uh, was brought up. Also, the fact that we have done an accessory exercise episode before, but it was one of our very first ones. Like we're yeah, talking, yeah. I, I think it was really early in yeah, the days. Like, I think it was number within the first 10, I'm pretty sure. I don't uh, think it was one of the originals that we filmed at your house, but I think it was after that. Yeah. So those uh, those views that we would have had three, four years ago, whenever the hell that was, um, have likely evolved and grown and changed. And uh, it's timely based on last week's conversation to delve a little bit deeper uh, into that. Yep. I think that's an excellent idea. And I am leaving it to you as to where you want to start. Oh, I knew you'd do that. Maybe. I knew you'd do that. Yeah, um, so yeah it's, it's a really uh, a really interesting conversation to have because it's one of these areas, especially in the coach development program, um, where people, their justification, the answers that they provide are often not the answers that they truly use when they're selecting these things. So what I mean by that is like, if I ask from an authoritative position, how do you pick your accessories? You're going to look for the best answer to that uh, to that question. Yeah. So, if, you know, you mull over that question right now and think, how do you truly choose your accessories? How much thought process is going into that? How much validation for those accessories is there or are there? Uh, you might find that some of the things that you're doing end up not being as useful uh, to the outcomes that you're looking for as you'd like to believe. Um, so I guess where the conversation needs to start is around that question of how do you, like what sort of system do you use to select your accessories? 
So I think, uh, and we very briefly discussed this before we started, but uh, in classic peak speak style, uh, you flagged the idea that you're coaching powerlifters, which I think is it sometimes goes without saying on this podcast, but needs to be referenced when we're talking about this sort of stuff because the end goal of coaching a powerlifter is improving one or three lifts in one particular uh in a very specific yeah very specific modality uh and so i think you can maybe get caught in the weeds sometimes when you're conflating choosing exercise or exercise selection for someone who's training for something that isn't the sport of powerlifting Mm. um but i very much look at the way i think about squat bench press and deadlift i have a system for how i think about how they work um, and my understanding of how the body works and how we're transferring force into a barbell. Uh, And then the first thing I do is look at how the person is thinking about or or approaching their lift. Say it's a squat, how are you thinking about setting up for it? What's your process? That sort of thing. Because more often than not, I find that these things that are apparent weaknesses uh, are actually often skill deficits first and foremost. Mm, big time. Uh, I just recently started coaching a woman who's uh, training for uh, like competitive CrossFit stuff, um, and she was like doing a lot of low bar squatting. She found high bar squatting. She like lost her balance and, and was tipping forward a bunch coming out of the hole, and so solved that problem by just squatting low bar. And the discussion I had with her was like, hey maybe low bar squats aren't very useful for a crossfitter because actually in crossfit most of the squatting like movements you're doing are things like front squats cleans thrusters things like that where you're you've got a much more upright torso than perhaps you would normally have with a low bar squat and so we looked at her high bar squat and i said like hey you're tipping coming out of the hole let's just try not to tip forward coming out of the hole and think about being able to stabilize that position more effectively through the whole range and we did a few sets of that and that was it that was basically the end of it you know we Mm -hmm. we fixed the problem we we reduced the load we reduced the tempo we did all of those things that make executing the skill simpler we executed the skill we then continued to expose her to an increasing level of stress and we found the breakdown point and then we work sort of within that window to build the skill because like we could say hey it's you know it's upper back strength or anything like that but if you haven't addressed any of those skill deficits first then i don't think anything else you're doing is very useful it's that idea of specificity to the skill right Mm -hmm. get good at the skill first and then deal with whatever else comes up after that for sure. And there's going to be so many layers to this, so many layers oh, yeah. of complexity. If it were as simple as, okay, well, you're tipping forward, therefore do a good morning. No yep. one would have a problem with tipping yep. forward in a squat. If it was as simple as your knees are caving in, therefore do this exercise, or your back is rounding, therefore do this ex- exercise. No one would have shit technique, but there's plenty of people out there that struggle with the technical aspect of lifting, right? Um, so recognizing that you know, it's not necessarily as simple. This is the first thing you need to cancel or delete from your way of approaching training. It's not a case of this is weak, this is the exercise to strengthen the weakness. That's just not how movement works. Nope. And that's just not how the system works. And then on top of that, it's like, okay, well, let's approach it from a more systematic uh, a more systematic angle, um, looking at what's the breakdown in the system, how can we build resist- resilience or skill within that system. On top of that, you've got the conundrum of 
at what point does an accessory need to change to be a focus on a different outcome? So um, if you're in a hypertrophy phase, you know, with the goal being build muscle, you're probably not going to spend all of the time in your accessories doing movement corrective sort of drills, given yeah. that the fact that while you're doing your squats or your bench or your deadlift or whatever exercises that you're doing, the percentage or the intensity is probably low enough to, for you to focus on influencing it in the movement itself, which is where you're going to see the most change. So not only do you have the layers of complexity of the fact that this is a challenging systematic sort of approach that you need to take, you've also got the the layer of complexity around like, how do I perform this exercise at this point in time? And how do I choose when to shift the way that I perform this exercise? On top of that, that scale is going to be heavily influenced by how significant the breakdown in skill or movement or technique is for any given individual. So it's a, it's a, it's annoying to see people approach it in such a simplistic fashion, even like high level kinesthesiologists are like looking at things and being like, oh, your knees are shooting back. Therefore, your knee extension is uh, strong and your hip extension is weak. Therefore, do hip thrusts. It's like that's not fucking how a squat works. Mm-hmm. And giving people exercises willy nilly is probably not going to have that great an impact on their improvement. The hard thing is you you know, you identify an issue and you prescribe this uh, so-called weakness targeting exercise, you put more effort into the lift itself targeting the issue, then you think the corrective exercise has helped rather than just your hyper-awareness of the problem that you have. Yeah. So the, you know, another layer of complexity is how do we quantify this stuff? It is so hard to quantify how much impact uh, the accessory movements that you have has on your training so in english accessories are a waste of time it's way too hard just try and squat better and quit <laughs> that works for me that's works um that's me. gonna be a new record for a shortest peak speak ever so no let's, of course uh, not no it's look and i think unfortunately the nature of a lot of the fitness industry is it relies on simple fixes and quick answers mm-hmm. and because that's what fits into a 10 second instagram story or a you know a q a post or something like that it, it's an easy default and i understand the desire to just be able to answer questions simply but um i'd like to think people like us and people like those that we look up to in this industry who are pushing this conversation to be more contextual and to have more of an understanding of how the whole thing works i think hopefully raises the bar beyond where it's been in the past i mean Mm. certainly the conversations that you and i and that coaches that we talk to regularly and that we look up to as well are are having now compared to the conversations that were had about powerlifting and training for powerlifting when you and i started competing it's a different ball game altogether you know Mm. it's the whole i think the whole industry has shifted towards a better understanding of things and certainly in powerlifting the the average iq in terms of understanding the complexity of movement and programming and all of those sort of things is much i'd like to think it is much higher than it has been in the past there's always going to be the outliers at either end that are the super complex mega nerds and the complete beginners reading teenation articles for advice i think the the mid ground has shifted along that spectrum i think both ends still exist but i think the average conversation is much more intelligent which is great 
I don't think everyone needs to have a super in, intelligent conversation. Like some people just don't care enough about it and that's okay too. Mm. I would have said five years ago that like everyone needs to understand all of this shit because it's the only way to be good at anything. Uh, I recognize now that that's again, just one of my own biases on being projected onto the people that I'm working with. And so it's not actually the most useful way to go about things. Mm. But I think... Uh, the ideas behind things being more complex and being more thought out and more context driven a good coach or a good trainer of any description can take all of that really complex information simplify it down to a digestible chunk for whatever level of uh, person they're working with you know the the conversation doesn't have to be the same if i'm talking to a high level powerlifter versus a, an average person off the street but mm-hmm. the ideas are the same the principles are the same i'm still using the same processes i'm still thinking about it in the same way i just have a different way of expressing it For and sure. i think sometimes uh people who do understand that context can be guilty of throwing an answer that looks like a very simple answer mm-hmm. without the caveat that like hey here's my thought process behind that and sometimes Mm. that's where it can be confusing for a lot of people Mm. i think not understanding that this conversation exists is sometimes hard for sure and some of it i think is willful ignorance it's people just looking for uh, an easy way out i think if you're listening to this podcast and you've got to this point with our waffly bullshit that you're probably past that which is good um (laughs) thank you for coming along for this ride uh but But yeah, I I think that some people are just looking for an easy answer because what they want is easy answers. And those are generally the people that don't stick around. It's uh, it's a short-lived world if you go down that road. Yeah, definitely. So to then, you know, curtail off that and bring it back to more of a practical application, my approach would be very similar to yours in the sense that... um, you know, off uh, when we were talking before, I said the majority of people that we coach are powerlifters, but it's like I, I think uh, a better way of saying this is that like the way that we build powerlifters is through general strength training, and like the all of my clients are general strength training clients. Even yep. the Gen Pop ones, they come to me with the goal of getting fitter, healthier, stronger, yep. leaner. Um, any person that comes to me, I say, do you want to be weaker a year from now? And they all say no. I've never had someone say, fuck yeah, I want to get weaker. Everyone wants to get stronger, right? So my, my training is revolving around strength uh, strength training. And because the majority of people are powerlifters and because, you know, squat, bench, deadlift kind of exists at the cornerstone of those systems, even in the strength training application, of course, not everyone uses those. But, you know, uh, the majority <laughs> of my coaching is built around squat, bench, deadlift. Yep. And my, uh, uh, my belief, my system, my uh, philosophy around coaching is that the way that you move when you perform a squat bench or deadlift regardless of whether you're doing a one rep max or a 10 rep max the way that you move ultimately determines the way that ends up on the bar the pursuit of technique is to chase the attributes of having the strongest safest most efficient way of moving right yep so the way that i cue the movement is my understanding of the biomechanics that will produce that outcome and then the way that i select the exercises to produce that outcome are based on my understanding of the way that people should be moving so it's all based around what does this accessory exercise contribute up the chain uh, towards that common goal? Uh, so if I were to break it down for a squat, for example, 
number one exercise is going to be a squat itself because that's where the changes happen if you've got a breakdown if you've got a mechanical deficiency if you've got an instability in the squat the only way you're going to fix it is with the squat itself that doesn't mean corrective exercises don't exist but they exist only to feed back into where you're going to use it then you're scaling that up through the has to transfer yeah exactly yeah so it's like is there a problem okay there is can i cue out that problem under the loads and intensities and volumes that we're using to train with if not we go down a level down a level is the same lift but an, a variation that will uh, modulate the intensity so we it's a higher intensity but less weight on the bar so you can control that outcome so tempo squat pause squat whatever it may be yep step down from there is like what is the actual breakdown in the squat and how can i systematically address that if you've got an issue with your hips you're caving in you know your knees caving in your ankles all over the place we're probably going to isolate that from the upper body with something like a hack squat or a leg press and then focus on what the hips are doing level down from that is going to be more isolation and stability style stuff like unilateral stuff lunges isolation stuff leg extensions hamstring curls all that sort of stuff that's the way that i would justify the approach in a very 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 quick uh yeah scattered sort of um uh, description right and yeah, that's I, that's I the way I'd explain it to someone when I'm when I'm justifying like why I've selected an accessory yep. exercise. So sorry to keep no, going. No, that's right. Some some bells should be going off then. Like when you look at uh, people tagging Tombro and tagging Zero on Instagram, and you're like, they're all doing the same accessory exercise, or they're all doing very similar accessory exercises. It's because they're all working towards the same goal, which is a better squat. And this is my understanding of what a squat is. So the the differences that you're going to see is like, am I cueing this as um, as viciously with this person as the next person because they need to work on it a little bit harder? Um, the accessories will change person to person based on where the breakdowns, where the issues are in the movement. But ultimately, they're all leading back to the same movement. And we're all the same animal. We all have hips. We all have shoulders. We all have torsos. We might be built different shapes and sizes. Yes, we're all individuals, but we're all the same fucking animal, which means if we're all doing the same lift, there are certain biomechanical rules that apply to everyone. And, you know, I I say that kind of like uh, grumpily just because it's like when you coach lots of people, that's a common uh, common negative thing you might hear, which is actually a positive thing uh, because it's consistent, right? But look across powerlifting as a whole. Everyone's doing the same fucking shit yeah, yeah. It, We're all it's doing not the same exercises like, as much as people want to make it out like it's the most intellectual and thought out pursuit in the world it's just powerlifting people it's squat and bench press and deadlift they are not particularly complex yes the load is often very high the velocity is often very slow which means they're actually a much simpler movement like watch someone snatch and then let's have a whole discussion about assistance exercise choices in for something like a snatch where it happens so quickly and it's so dynamic. It's a totally different ball game. Mm. Even those people are doing accessories that all look very, very similar, right? Mm. They're all very slight deviations on the actual competition lift. Because like you said, it's a skill. And the only way you get better at a skill is practicing that skill. You can constrain the movement in a way that allows you to moderate load and stuff. But ultimately, it's all about, like you said, transferring it back to the end goal, that task at the end, which is one rep maxes. Mm ironically olympic lifters do a lot less accessories than we do i see i reckon you'd find that's uh not necessarily true depending on how you yeah depending on how you define the word accessories i think Mm. even some of the very high level lifters that i follow do accessories but their accessories are like oh 
very tiny variations on snatches and cleaner jerks. There's just more, I think, nuance in the variations that they choose because you've got such a wide pool of changes that you can make to those very complex movements. I mm. think they just don't get away from the barbell as quickly as we do sometimes. Yeah. Um, because it's such a specific skill. Again, it's so fast. It happens with such high loads that the the window of specificity, I think, is probably the way to think about it, is much smaller. So you've got to be much more precise with the way you're targeting not just the cueing but the, the exercise selection. Mm. Yeah, good point. I, uh, yeah, and I, I'll be the first to admit it's not something that I follow or understand very closely. Yeah, and I'm by no means a weightlifting coach, and I, I tell people that regularly. Uh I, I just like watching it. I'm a, a fan of the sport because oh, it's such an awesome sport to watch. Those hook grip slow-mo videos are just oh, a dude, th- I, thing I of beauty. I could watch 20 minutes of Lu Jiajun doing <laughs> one snatch, like <laughs> set to beautiful operatic music. <laughs> and just that would be the fun thing that I did for the afternoon. Oh, it's, it's so epic. Yeah, man. And I think that that idea that like people like us I, I like watching humans move. It's it's the thing that I find enjoyable. Mm. I uh, I enjoy understanding or attempting to understand the processes that are going on behind the the things that drive movement, the way we're you know supposed to work, which is an interesting discussion unto itself. Um, I really enjoy watching sports of all forms now because I know more about how the body works. It's one of Mm. the reasons I'm really fascinated by watching uh, injury videos because I'm I'm like hunting for a mechanism. I'm trying to like (laughs) see what happened just because I find it so fascinating. And I think that from a coaching standpoint, that's one of the things that makes a good coach is, mm. is a curiosity around wanting a deeper understanding of how things work and not just accepting the answer that is, hey, this is the exercise for that problem. Mm. Um, because, yeah, it's it's those levels of coaching that you've talked about before. Once you delve deeper and you dive into the rabbit hole, you realize it's a fucking deep rabbit hole, but there's a lot of fun to be had. Mm. Yeah. I think one of the biggest things I do try to instill in my lift is when it comes to approaching uh, assistance exercise, not only just the uh, the mechanism by which it should be performed, uh, but the goal that we're looking for with this. Like, you're, you, for example, rows and lap pull downs, I'm uh, increasingly saying more and more and more, uh, probably the most overrated, underutilized or poorly utilized Uh, exercises in powerlifting like the notion that a big strong back means a big strong squat bench deadlift is not extremely far-fetched but it's so convoluted and so misconstrued uh, to the point where it's uh, rendered irrelevant right yeah because it's exactly the same logic as like a big big quads therefore a big leg press therefore equals a big squat and everyone will say well it's not the same Uh, you know you can't just have big leg press and have big squat that's not how it works but everyone's willing to do that with back work (laughs) everyone's willing to do these horrible like heavy cheat rows and think they're doing any favors whatsoever for their lift um, and you you'll just be like overwhelmed with this confirmation bias accessories are so difficult to quantify but if you're lifting consistently you'll get stronger over time so if you're lifting yep. consistently and you add in some magical accessory exercise you you'll be happy to confirm that it's helped regardless of the fact that it's uh, you know being the training that you've been doing in the background um, so 
With back, uh, with back work, the goal should be stabilizing the shoulder in the correct position as it's going through extension or stabilizing, stabilizing the scaps as your shoulder is going through extension and not losing that position because that's where you're going to find the best carryover. So your primary goal before you focus on load is probably going to be range. It's probably going to be motor control through range and most people suck extremely bad at that. That's why everyone has a hard time low bar squatting uh, because people just build these big jacked up shoulders that can't move very well. Then all of a sudden it's hard to get into the right position. For those who can't see, John is gigantic right now. He's holding invisible basketballs under his... John has always been gigantic. That's his problem. (laughs) So, yeah, like the the kind of thing is that uh, the quality of the movement as it's going to pertain to the goal that you're seeking to achieve is ultimately going to determine the effectiveness of that accessory exercise. That's where most people lose sight because they think, I am a strength athlete, therefore if my accessories are stronger, everything's stronger. It's yep. just not how it works. Yeah, you. it's intent, right? It's about understanding the execution of the lift and how it translates into what else you're doing and approaching it in a way that is not just about ticking the box. I know a lot of people who are like, oh, i got to do my accessories and they just basically switch off, right? Like they've spent heaps of time nitpicking nuance around squat, bench and deadlift form and then just fuck about while doing their assistance stuff. Like maybe it's just not worth doing at that point because it's like it's not doing you any good uh, because you're not getting the, the transfer out of it that you could because you're just not thinking about it. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the nuances that you're talking about in terms of how you think about rows and all of those things, they stem from actually approaching it in a way that's like, how does this work in the system that I'm using and how does that then carry over to the end result? Mm. If you're not asking those questions and you are just ticking a box, well, then you're in trouble. And even if you've got a coach who's very good at this and knows how to pick exercises that are going to work, if you then approach those well thought out and... Uh, well-planned exercises with a mindless I'm just doing this because I need to do it approach well then you're also not getting the benefit that you're looking for everything Mm. should be about for a powerlifter should be about how do I tie this back to the goal and how can I improve what I'm getting out of these things because it's often like you said it's not just stack more load on the bar or on the lat pull down or on the leg press it's about, okay, how do, how do I think about executing this in a way that carries over? Maybe I need less load and better execution to actually get the end result. Because, mm. you know, we've all seen plenty of really fucking strong looking dudes who move like shit mm. because they got really big and jacked and didn't learn anything about how to move well and how to execute the skill. And they inevitably get beaten by people like Matt Stenzel who sometimes don't look like they lift. Mm. Um, because they can be big and strong and jacked and move really well and suddenly they just slaughter people. <laughs> to be fair, Stan's... We love you, Matt. Yes. He's jacked right now. Yes, he's jacked in general. He just yes. has a habit of making it look like he's not jacked and then suddenly he is. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the Again, the another or a part of the layers of complexity that's going to come in here... Um, is the fact that uh, I forgot what I was going to say. Um, oh, I could be, I could lie and just try and waffle, but I truly just—I almost spat a, water on my computer. Had a complete mind blank. It was something to do with intent and uh, transfer. Oh, spe- specificity. Like it's—it's it's very tempting then to take that mindset of like, okay, well 
Thomas and John are saying that we're supposed to be sort of, you know, building our accessories around the goal. And if the goal is the main lift in the context of strength training with squat bench deadlift, then we should make all our accessories hyper-specific. Again, it's like, are you recognizing the goal of that accessory as being hyper-specific? Because there's going to be times where you don't need to be as specific with your accessories just because of the fact that you get that specificity with the lift itself. Um, you also have the issue of like specificity to what? So specificity to the actual lift or specificity to the concept. And what I mean by that, you're probably going to want to go with that, with the latter suggestion of the concept uh, in terms of like, okay, we're trying to fix your shoulder position or we're trying to, you know, uh, with a row, hold your scap in the right position while your shoulder goes into full extension. Does that mean you should lie back on a bench and rig up a setup where you're dangling a bar and bands and make it perfectly mirroring the way that you would do it in a bench? No, you're thinking, what is the concept of my shoulder in space and how can I take that from the movement and attack it in a, in a tangible, realistic sort of approach? So think more about the concept of what you're trying to achieve. Yeah. If you're thinking about your hips in a squat, you're trying to achieve hip torque while your hips go through flexion and extension. That doesn't necessarily mean it has to be done in a perfect sort of squat sitting you don't have to mirror it perfectly on a belt squat you can use other apparatus to achieve exactly the same goal uh, so sp specific to the uh to the context specific to the um to the concept that you're trying to emulate from the main lift or from whatever you're, you're trying to use that accessory to work towards and i also think specific to the skill level of the person that we're talking about here mm. you know like some people can take a cue and execute it perfectly with a slight slowdown in tempo and some people need a regression of a movement to understand it in a more simple and uh, supported environment in order to facilitate that understanding and then that transfer of that idea into the slightly more complex, mm. faster, higher load lift, you know? For Scaling sure. that decision is also very important. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, to be honest, I don't have a, a, a great deal extra to say on that front. I mean, following on from what you just said there, um, I think one of the most common sort of, I wouldn't say it's an issue, but it's probably an overthought uh, sort of approach uh, to training is like we've become really really aware and obsessed with movement with stability training with like these little exercises these little banded stability drills and all that sort of stuff um, which is great it's fantastic it's you know uh, can be used in the right context and create great outcomes dependent upon the 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 experience level of the lifter like yeah if you've got someone who's been, uh, you know, powerlifting for five minutes, squatting, bench, deadlifting for five minutes, most of their improvement in the technique is going to come from just lifting. It's just going to be built by the skill of doing that thing. And as such, you don't have to be like, whoa, your squat's terrible because you've only been squatting for five minutes. Therefore, every accessory needs to be like, yeah. you know emulating the instabilities that you have it's yep, like just practice yeah pick your weapon when it's the right time to pick it and of course that's easier said than done it's just going to come with time and experience and uh, a logical thought out approach yep i think that's a good place to leave it same z's excellent thanks for listening folks yes we love you like us share us put us on your instagram buy some coffee get jacked <laughs> all right that's it done goodbye <laughs> Ugh. <laughs>